Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, welcome back to the JMS Boxing Podcast with me, John. I'm Sam. And today, um, I've got probably someone I've wanted to get on for a long time, like I've put on the post up. One of the reasons why I'm able to do this podcast in to help with the connections and everything like that, the reason that I basically got on the straight and narrow back into boxing, but I'll come to that later. Uh, Luke Toomanner, thank you for joining us. Hello, guys. Nice to meet you <laughs> again. <laughs> um, so I, it's going to be – it's not necessarily boxing, but we have a bit of a boxing story. But I know that you've got um, – stories and basically normally I ask how people get into boxing but I'm not going to ask you that I'm going to ask how you started in combat okay well surprisingly I started in boxing okay as a, okay. As a young amateur Ooh. so uh, if I go back to the beginning obviously uh, born in the 70s so I'm 53 now um, and obviously as a young Indian lad uh, when you're at school you tend to find you leave a falling with I went to a school which was predominantly very sort of like clicky. All the Asian kids would hang together. All yeah. the white kids would hang together. Um, and then what happened was you, if you sort of like went out of your group, you got a little bit of, um, hold up, why are you hanging around with those lads? So from my point of view, um, I was a great kid at school. I was very sensible at school for the first three years. Sat at the front of the class, did really well. Then just something said to me, what happens if you sit at the back of the class? <laughs> right? And if, you, if you've been around, and like most lads, sat at the back of the class and involved in shit from day one. Um, and then getting involved in, I sort of like got into scuffles at school. And then somewhere along the line, someone said to me, have you ever thought about doing any boxing? And I was like, no. Um, so... Um, a couple of lads said to me, there's a boxing club in Erith, uh, which was Erith ABC at the time. Yeah. Um, and I went along. Um, and my very first night, I, I still remember it today like it was yesterday. Right? And I often think about it. And when you go to a boxing club, you, you see the young lads sparring and you see the boxing ring. And I was probably 13, 14 at the time. And I think, oh, that looks good. 
and they're in the lad, and the lads are in the ring having a bit of a spar, and I think oh, I want to do that. And I kept asking questions like, when can we spar? When can we spar? Right? In my brain, it was going to be a very simple thing, and you hadn't really thought about the other side. The other person is going to be hitting you as well. So, from my point of view, I'm just going to be hitting someone. Right? So, um, uh, the lads, uh, the coach said, right, go out running and um, go out for a run, do. Um, shadow boxing and they're giving you a little few pointers nothing major it's probably about 15 or 20 of us in the in the room all different ages and then at the end near the end of the session I said well, can we spar yet can I get in the ring and spar and uh, he said yeah go put a pair of gloves on and uh, he put me in with a young young lad young traveller lad right and uh, who I became very good friends with uh, and I remember very clearly what happened Unbeknown to me, this lad was probably a year below me. Didn't know anything about him. I've seen him at school. That's all I know about And what the coach had said to him is, right, said, let this young lad come at you full tilt because he's been eager to get in the ring all night. Right? Shocker. <laughs> and uh, so he said, uh, when I say now, just right across him. He said, that's all you got, just want it. I, and I didn't know any of this. So I've gone in the ring and basically what you think you're going to start out doing is, yeah, jab, cross, soon stones, and you just start winning me a yeah. bit, right? Started going in. Within 30 seconds, I'm literally this young lad. He's literally covered himself up and he's gone into the corner. And I think, oh, I've got him. And I'm swinging punches like mad. And next, I've just heard somebody shout something. And then the next minute, I'm going... Why are the lights up in the sky? <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out. It literally put a right cross on me and put me straight on my backside. And it's like most things. When you start off inboxing or anything, you remember things. And the coach said to me, make sure I was all right. And he said, right, first thing I'm going to say to you is this. You never, ever underestimate anyone. You never, ever look at their size. You never, ever look at what they're doing and go, got him yeah. ever and he said you always give him respect All right? and he said right how are you feeling yeah I feel great now now I know where I am <laughs> and that was my journey and I started um, and then it was a case of it became something I enjoyed and it kept me out of trouble at school um, I enjoyed it a lot my parents weren't really happy about it obviously being a, a Indian kid it was a case of it was not the dumb thing at that time it was a case of concentrate on your studies, do well at school, go to university, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, okay. And it was just a case of I just enjoyed boxing. So I started uh, the boxing and I, I probably had anything between 11 and 13 fights. Amateur. Amateur, just as a kid. Well, like local gyms. Local gyms. I uh, used to go into, I remember going into welling in like working men's clubs. That's where they used to have them, you know, so you can imagine you're all there as young kids having boxing when they're all smoking. I was going to say, it's going to be like the old school. It was, yeah. You walk into a bundle of smoke. Yes, yeah. Very much a case of a bundle of smoke and you get these little trophies, which I've still got a few of them indoors. And yeah, I I enjoyed it. And it was, for me, it was something I loved doing. Um, Running to the club um, because, again, what somebody else, certain things you won't know is, that when I was at school, when I went, say, um, the cross-country, 
I couldn't run. Went to the doctors, and the doctor says, yep, you've got asthma. Right, okay. Okay? And he said, I'll give you two bits of advice. First bit of advice is don't smoke. No matter what, don't smoke. Second bit of advice, never forget the first bit of advice. <laughs> and you don't smoke. You're not no, a smoker. Don't smoke. And, um, so I sort of like cross country wasn't my thing, and hence when the boxing thing come up, it naturally my fitness got better. I started to run a bit more, and it took time, but it was a case of yeah, I could, my fitness got stronger and stronger. I remember even at 13 years of age, running two or three miles to the boxing club, doing a session. Did you <laughs> did you do any like ABAs or any schoolboys or anything? No, like I didn't do any. It was not something at that time for me. The young lad that put me for the ropes, it turned out he boxed in the ABAs. Right, makes sense. Right, and he was very good. Um, and he again, it was one of those ones. I hung around with those lads because the sparring was always intense, and it was a case of you you knew, you know. I've listened to you guys, and I always remember it. I always used to remember that initial feeling right we're going to go at each other for five minutes yeah okay and afterwards we're going to go how's a cracking spot yeah you've just smashed me square in the face and I've just done the same to you but thank you <laughs> you're thanking each other just <laughs> making the crap out of each other and it, it always it's a strange it might, it's the strangest yeah. thing and people just don't get it you know mm -hmm. if they if they've not involved in that world they won't really understand it is, it is mad how you can you literally can punch the shit out and you just go drink yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah, that's let's it. I mean, you know, your best mates. Yeah. You know, or you're... if you've dropped someone with like body shots and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me, I'm on about me. I'll come to it later. <laughs> Don't worry. So, yeah, so that was me with my boxing. I did that, um, as I said, I did that for about two and a half, three years. Um, obviously, those times you used to have off seasons and it was like boxing now, so you'd have to keep yourself fit. So it's normally around September time. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. And it was a case of then. Uh, and in between, as you're growing up, girls come onto the scene, and slowly, surely, boxing doesn't become a priority anymore. It, you sort of like go in different directions. Yeah. Um, and that was up until I think I was about 16, stroke 17 when I stopped. Started working. I left home at 16 as well, so I was in that, that area for about a year or so. Um, then I moved. <laughs> To Maidstone. Right, okay. Did you have any ambitions with boxing? Not really. It was, it, just just of, it was just something that I enjoyed doing. And at the time, it wasn't something... I didn't really have what I would call the encouragement from my parents. So my parents, it was... My parents never watched me box. Um, and then it was just a case of, I was just one of the kids that went along. And sometimes you'd sort of like get ready for a fight and you turn up and you wouldn't necessarily know until you got to the actual event, if there was somebody at your weight, that you'd be boxing. Yeah, which is, we've heard with other people with the amateur side yeah. of it as well. You know, so, and they'd try and match up. And the coaches, in all fairness, were really good. They'd try and match up the kids according to their mm -hmm. abilities. And they'd look yeah. at them and go, yeah, actually, you know, you've had a couple of fights, you've won one, you've lost one, he's a little bit taller than you, but similar sort of weight. Um, and so the coaches would be very sensible in the sense that they'd look out for you. They wouldn't put you in with somebody who's two stone heavier. You, you want the 50-50s. It was a 50 It was a yeah. new kids. And that's what the show was built on as well, the 50-50 yeah. stuff as you well. You know, so the kids, you know, as kids, you know, you're you're being matched up with people that are either your own ability or a little bit better than mm. you just to be tested. And, you know, and you're not necessarily looking to go, unless you start knocking people out left, right and centre. Yeah. 
you know, then they'd probably, I imagine, take you to one side and go, look, you need to really concentrate on this because you've got a natural gift. Um, don't get me wrong, I never had that natural gift. I could hit people and I could box. The only thing as a kid I had that was stayed with me for my whole life, I had a very good jab. Right. Right. And I could <laughs> converge for that. <laughs> right? So I, I could jab harder than some people could throw a right cross. Mm. And so that was something that, for me, stayed with me. And it was a case of somebody used to say to me, what have you done? I said, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Um, so, and as I've got older, I've always, it's something I'll always work off always. Yeah. And, you know, you just remember certain, I just remember certain things that the coaches used to say to you. And when the smoking thing come up with me, asthma and everything else, got talking to the coach and he said, and I think at the time, they'd just done the first heart transplant. It was either a heart transplant or a lung. There was a major piece of surgery that had happened in the late, early to late 80s. I wasn't even a sperm in a bollock then. Yeah. Like and, steel uh, horse and car. And then, <laughs> and then the, um, and the coach said to me, he said, regardless of what's going on in the world, they said, just remember, what you're born with, if you're lucky and you've got all your faculties, right, and you're healthy, he said, you're born perfect. If you look after yourself, you're fine. He said, nature and technology will never, ever replace what you're born with. And they said, and he used to say to us, so you little fuckers out smoking out there, he said, I know you're smoking before you get in the gym because I can smell it. <laughs> right? And he'd look at some of the lads in the, in the room and he'd go, you lot, right? And there'd be like four or five lads going, oh, shit. <laughs> in bubble there. Yeah, right. And he was very strict in that sense. And he'd say, look after yourselves. You know, and there were certain things, obviously, yeah. people like that they they come into your life and they give you these little bits of advice and they just stick with you yeah yeah, yeah. and it's uh, you know they stick with you and you go oh, I haven't forgotten that so yeah I remember my first night of boxing and I remember the little things in between that went, went up there yeah. so you've moved up to Maystone now um, did you think about getting back into boxing or at the time I didn't realise there was a I thought kids box as kids and then what happened was they were so good that they went on as adults to professionals. I didn't realise as adults you could box. I didn't know what the process was. You know, as a kid at 13, 14, you never really looked into it that much. You just, something you enjoy doing. And the internet's not there as well. It's by bird pigeon or something. So I moved to Maidstone and obviously you're 16, 17. And I was naturally a small kid anyway. So I wasn't huge. So I was like, right, got to go to the gym. Joined the gym. It's like weight training. Nobody's telling you how to train, so it was a case of right. I will do everything in one session. I'll do that. <laughs> if I do break walking yeah. the next day, like that. yeah. And I was thinking, if I do it every day, I'll do it three times a week. I'll be fine, and I'll get bigger. And I was like, and someone. It was probably a good year or so later before someone said to me, "No, you're overtraining. You're not growing at all." Once he explained to me what I was actually doing, I was like. That's a kind of year and a half of wasted, isn't it? <laughs> like that. And uh, But then what made me stop the weight training was when you're boxing, your natural reflexes are completely different. They are very much instinctive. And I still remember it in my bedroom, putting up a shelf, and there was a screwdriver that I put on the top run of the ladder. And it was near the end, and it started to roll off. And I've gone to myself, that's going to roll off in a second. It rolled off. Grab it. As it's falling off, I'm going, grab it. Then I'm watching it now, grab it. 
and I'm watching it hit the floor and my hands are now moving to where the screwdriver was. Right? And I thought to myself, reflexes are completely slowed <laughs> down. Here. It's like, and I was like, right, that was it. And I stopped the weight training. Um, then I started looking around for clubs um, and I found a, a local martial arts club in Maidstone. It was in the it was in a gym again. It was like everybody shared their facilities at that time. Uh, nothing was designated as what you'd call a specific martial arts place. It was just a case of a club operating within a room because the venue would generate a little bit of extra income. So I started doing uh, Chinese martial arts at that time, and I was like, "Oh, this is good." Started doing it. I was enjoying it. I probably did that for. I started it when I was 19. So at the time, these are places that operated once a week. And I was like, well, this is not enough. Right, what else can I do? So I then found a different club and I thought myself, I know what I do. There was a Taekwondo club. So I joined that as well. And it worked out on some days I could do one class run and start my second class. <laughs> right. yeah. And uh, so I did that, and I did that for a bit. Then there was a Thai boxing club opened up as well. So then I, it worked out that I could do three sessions a week. Are you working at this time? Yeah, working. Oh, okay. Working, but I I lived, as I said, I'd, I went back to my parents. I moved out again because obviously once you moved out as a kid, yeah. you move back home and you go, I can't do that. Yeah, move straight back yeah. out again. <laughs> and um, so I then I sort of like, I, I thought myself, I didn't have nothing to do other than go to work, train. Yeah. So I started doing the Thai boxing as well. And the Thai boxing was sometimes it would be straight after another class. So and I was literally, people, I was not chit-chatting at the end of the session. I was running to Just the next gone. session. Gone. <laughs> So I was getting between four and six sessions in a week. The problem was that some of them were contradicting others. Yes, I was going to. I was going to ask that because you're doing. You're not doing. It's not like you're it's, going to three clubs, but doing the same thing. No, you're doing different things. Chinese martial arts, Thai boxing, Taekwondo. Yeah, which are all very different. very different. And I sort of like it was causing me. It wasn't causing me problems. I, I was going to, for instance, I went to the Taekwondo class and I really, I enjoyed it, but I didn't like the bullshit that went with it. Um, and unfortunately, with martial arts, there was an awful lot of bullshit. Which seems to be quite prevalent now when you speak nothing's to people. Nothing's changed. Yeah, it is, that's, that's something that's obviously quite now. Uh, it's, nothing's changed. And uh, so at the time, I, I was going, I went to uh, a class in Moat Park and I went along and I ended up sparring because I just wanted a spar. Because I I looked at the black belts as going, right, you are the best in the room, so therefore I want to spar you. Bearing in mind, I've been training a year and a half at this point, and I was sparring. I wanted to spar the black belts, and they were... Martial arts is very much ego. That's what Ray was talking about. Yeah. Damon said about it as well. Very, very ego. If you're a black belt, you are... They're put on a pedestal, and... I, I said, well, okay, I just want to spar. And I thought myself, you know, I've come from a boxing background. I just want to spar. And they don't like sparring people that are below their belt grading. Just in case they get embarrassed. Possible. Mm. But it also means that it makes them, it kind of puts them on a pedestal and it's very false pedestal. 
<coughs> so uh, I, I mean, I ended up sparring some lads there. They were some of them were on the British team, and I put a couple what, of them. What was this taekwondo? Or? Taekwondo, yeah, yeah. and I put a couple of them on their backside. I came along the following week and the instructor at the time, she's a woman, she said, right, uh, take the class to one side, like the black belts all go together and you can take Luke with you. And they're looking at me, bearing in mind I'm wearing a pair of black tracky bottoms and a T-shirt and they're looking again, what are you on about? Right, you know, what's he doing with us? We're special. We're special. <laughs> you know, and, uh, so, and she was really nice. Like, her name was Debbie Wynn. At the time, very very nice woman. She operated out of Ashford and Maidstone, and uh, so they sort of like they put me to one side, and I remember sparring, and I remember kicking the black belt across the floor. Okay, and she's just looked over him and go, like I said, don't treat him like a beginner, which was quite funny, really, <laughs> you know, because he's on the floor doubled up in pain, and uh, then sort of like I moved around with them for a few guys for a period of time. Club was huge when it first started. Then it got smaller and smaller because people drop out. And then you yeah. go to a different venue. I did that for probably a year and a half, two years. Just all the different ones. All the different ones. I did the Thai boxing. Uh, the Thai boxing was again. This is in the days where you can you could go into a youth club, and I remember the youth club was in Maidstone called the Howdy Warden Youth Club. Remember it really clearly. Went in there sparring. Uh, the first time I went there, and I'm, um, I, I met a, a very good friend of mine, and uh, he's, you'll hear his name come up, Mr. Wilcox, Steve. Okay. Right. And uh, the instructor said, oh, I said, I want to go along. He said, oh, right, okay. And I said, well, I've been doing X, Y, and Z, and I fancy giving this a go. He said, all right. And he said to me, do you fancy doing a bit of sparring? And I was like, I can imagine that right. grin, that grin yeah, that you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, So, uh, so uh, he's gone all right, and he's looking, man, and he's pulled Steve up now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Steve's literally what I would call, um, I have to be careful how I word this because he's <laughs> we're very good friends. He, he, he's, he's a little bit shorter than me and he's literally... He's taken off his top and he's ripped. 
and I me, there's no fat on him. And I'm like, right, so I've gone from having a little bit of a spa and you've picked up the best lad in the class. <laughs> right? and, uh, and I remember sort of like if you do taekwondo, it's very much a nice gentle kick to the face, very controlled, looks good. Yeah. I've done this to Steve and Steve's gone, right then. That's how you want to do it, do you? And what I didn't know was his mates had sat, whilst he was sitting down, his mates have gone to him, I think he does martial arts and he's quite good. (laughs) Which obviously fuels the fire for the next person. (laughs) So I've, we stood up and I've literally kicked Steve in the face, right? And I could see Steve going, right then, you've embarrassed me in front of everyone in this room. (laughs) He's then proceeded to kick my thigh, right? Which I'd never done before. Right, and he's literally kicked it about four times. I'm now limping. <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> like this, and I'm trying to cover up, trying to box, and he's just trying to kick the crap out of my legs. And uh, so, like, we shook hands, and I was like, "Yeah, great." I couldn't walk for three days, like a baseball bat today. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a baseball bat. Yeah, and uh, literally, I couldn't walk for three days. And um, then I was like, "Right, I'm going back to that again." <laughs> so I started doing that. Uh, same thing again. Um, it, it was one of those the discipline in the classroom environment where you are, what you'd call, you're doing tit for tat. So you put the focus mitt on your thigh, okay, and you basically go, right, I kick yours, you'll kick mine. And you're holding the pad, turned over on your thigh. When your leg goes dead, change legs. <laughs> and you do that for... You start at like 20%, yeah. you? and then you gradually go, oh, I think you're taking a bit of the piss there. Yeah, so then yeah. you go up and then you yeah, gradually... That's it. <laughs> and you keep doing it. And as soon as the leg's dead, change legs. <laughs> and you do that for 10, 15 minutes. Bear in mind, by now, you can't necessarily walk and you go, what the hell is the point of doing this? It's all conditioning. All conditioning. And we did that. Same thing again. Started to get right into that. Started to... Uh, enjoy it started to do the fights did did you find when you're training the iron sharpens iron mentor come in with this because if you as you were talking about getting up to this point you, you're kicking black belts down then you've gone with someone that has actually kicked you and you're like yeah that's what I wanted so you've it has because you put it back into context so yeah. what's happened is I've got someone so Steve at the time didn't have a um, a belt as any such and it's and I'll I'll give you an analogy of it later, but I've got someone in front of me who has probably been doing it a year. Yeah. And I've got a black belt in another environment who thinks he's amazing, right? And I've got this lad who's absolutely smashed my leg to pieces. And it made me go, right, okay, this is what I want. And it very similar to boxing. It's a case of it's not for show. This is what we're going to actually do. Um, and I liked it. I, I like the contact side of it and I like the, the discipline side of it because if you, there was no sort of like what I would call, um, it's not pretty. It's yeah. very, very direct. And I, yeah. I, I love that side of it. So again, that started doing it and it caused me a few problems because the people that were, obviously I'll go back to the Taekwondo class and then I'd start to, I'd do these kicks and I'll put in a different level of power compared to what they're used to and they didn't like it and then it caused me issues with the club because the black belts I would say look and my boxing was still fine and say look I don't mind helping out some of these people in the classroom because the one thing I find with people that do um, martial arts it's people that are frightened of getting hit 
and they always generally fall into that category. Yeah. They don't like getting hit. They want to learn a form of self-defense, okay? So they take up whatever martial art they do, but then they avoid getting hit. And I can never understand it. I can never understand it. Any form of conflict, you're going to get hit. In you're going to get hit. So, and then I'd said to like the Taekwondo club at the time, and by now uh, a black belt had been taking it over, and very good at what he did, and he was being quite crafty. If I was in the room, there was no sparring. If I missed a session, they'd be sparring that night. Right, hey. <laughs> One person just changed yeah. the whole venture right. so of a club. Like. He was literally <laughs> manipulating the class, and I turned around and said, I said, why don't, can we do some sparring tonight? Because you did it the other night, you And he was like, no, we're not doing it tonight. We're going to do forms, uh, catters or patterns, they call yeah. it, up and down the room. I was like, right, okay. And it was just driving me mad. So I loved the Thai boxing. Um, and Thai boxing is very direct. At that time, it was very simple. You know, somebody showed me something and I could apply it and I could see if it worked. Whereas marching up and down the room, and for people that are telling me how good they are because they've got belts above my level and I just found it so frustrating and so I, I sort of like I did that for a period of time I was doing the, the Chinese martial arts and I was I tend to I do things without necessarily once I thinking about it I tend to do it and go fuck it I don't care I'm doing it um, so I was entering competitions at that time without telling the club because I couldn't I wanted to fight yeah 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 so I entered um, they're called semi-contact competitions so normally body no headshots and no, stuff yeah, well, different rules for different, different rules things. for yeah. different things and what happened was I I went to a open tournament in Swindon I think it was and there was two tournaments running a semi-contact and a knockdown tournament knockdown is Kokoshinkai rules right which is uh, the, probably the hardest style of karate. Okay. Right, which is full contact shots to the body, bare fist. Right. Full contact shots to the legs, using your own legs, okay, and kicking to the head. No head guards, okay. So if you're punching, you're punching below the neckline to the body. And it is, you know. It's you try weird. And, it is weird and it's very severe. Right, but I'd never. And what happened? I hadn't been training in it. I just entered the competition yeah. because I was doing the semi-contact stuff. And when I got talking to the one of the lads, and he said, I, "And I, I won my first match." And he said, "Oh, you should enter the knockdown one as well." I said, "Well, what's that?" And he said, "Well, these are the rules." I hadn't trained in it, and I said, "I said, what do you have to do then?" He said, "I'll just put your name down on the sheet." He said, "We're missing a couple of guys because people have dropped out, so we need to make the numbers up anyway." And I was like, "Yeah, all right, then I'll put my name down." So I put my name down for that. So I'm entering a semi-contact tournament and a full-contact tournament. My full-contact fight lasted two seconds. The guy hit me in the ribs. I smashed him square in the face. He got a bloody <laughs> nose, right? <laughs> got into trouble for it. You know, I've got refs blowing whistles and everything. I said, sorry. It was just instinctive. <laughs> to suddenly, you know, you go from boxing background where you're yeah. making headshots to suddenly yeah. told you've got That's, to punch below the head. It's hard, line. yeah. I just couldn't do it. And I just, he punched me in the body. I just smacked him square in the face. And he just, you know, nose clear everywhere. I was like, oh, So <laughs> I stopped and they were trying to get me thrown out of the semi-contact competition. And I said, look, so I'd never, ever entered it. And basically, I most people are there as part of a club. I was there with my missus and her friend. As, as a support, 
you know, I just turned up, you know, just entered it on, not online. It was a case of you had to do a postal register. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, so, um, so I did the, I did really well in the semi-contact, got to the finals um, and I got beaten by a lad who's better than me. Not a problem. But I'd only been training a year and a half, two years. And these guys were... So you're still only 20 at this point? Roughly. I'm probably 20. Yeah, coming nearly 21. Yeah. Um, so, and then I was doing that. Then I was doing the Thai boxing as well. And the Thai boxing was a nightmare because now there are clubs everywhere. It, and, you know, I really enjoy watching, you know, there's clubs. You can go on the internet, technology, and if you want to find a Thai boxing club, you can probably find several. Yeah. And you can travel around and have a meet up and meet people and train and swap techniques and spar and test your own ability, have competitions. At those times, it was, there was one club in Maidstone at the time. And um, to get a fight, we was travelling up to Manchester. Cool, bloody hell. Jesus. That was local. That was local. We was going up to Manchester to fight. And, I, uh, I've seen that with MMA gyms recently I'd have said the yeah. um yeah like for me for my you know where you're talking about because yeah. you're talking about the 80s at this point yeah. aren't you so I could I'll give you like a similar when I was 16-ish yeah. I went to Gravesend to do MMA even though I only done it for like a couple of lessons and then now I can type in MMA gyms obviously and then there's loads there's, there's loads, loads yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it so but that's why there was nowhere so we, I was getting fights, and so I was doing the Thai boxing, and was travelling up to Manchester. And I remember sitting in the minibus for six hours, turn up in the minibus, and the guys would go, are "You from Kent? Yeah, we are. Right, you're on in about ten minutes. No, we're not. We've just got here, and you know we're all falling out of a van. Legs are cramping up. We've yeah. been sitting still for ages, and you got to warm up. And they'd give us half hour, forty minutes, and you'd be fine. Drive back again. You know, sounds like some Plymouth stuff that we did, so. <laughs> right? So, yeah, so I did that for a while. Same thing again. I had a few fights, loved it. Um, I was still doing the um, sort of like the taekwondo. I, I left the taekwondo purely because they hadn't changed, their mentality hadn't changed. Um, you know, I turned around and said to the coach, Look, I'm quite happy to help with the boxing stuff. But he looked at his being, I can't have someone who's just a student helping people. It's yeah. arrogant though, isn't it? I you think know, it's so then, arrogant though, and, isn't it? You know, because I don't get wrong, as a black belt, he knew he'd never ever spar me in a hundred years because he knows what I'd do. Right? And it would make him look bad. And bearing in mind he's earning a little bit of money out of this. Yeah. You know? And there was there was women in there and it was a case of never a case of sparring against a woman and saying, I'll go, I'm gonna hit you. It was a case of no, keep your hands up, this is what you're doing wrong, pointing all the things out just to make them better. Mm. And it was just ego. Just yeah, didn't want to be just, yeah. made to look bad. And so I left and I thought well, I'll give up with that. Um then the Chinese club, the Chinese martial arts I was doing at the time. It was a case of the guy was very hit and miss with his training. It, it wasn't regular enough for me. So I was doing more with the um, the Thai boxing and the Taekwondo. But then it was a case of I was getting to a point where I thought to myself, I've been doing it nearly three years at this point. And I thought, I'm not really going anywhere with it. And the reason I thought I started to look around and I'd heard a couple of people say that there is a club, but it's at the back of in the town centre. And this is a bit rough and ready, but it's a good club. <laughs> and um, so the guy, and what it, the reason I, I went down that route was I thought myself, what am I going to be like if I end up being an instructor one day and I get somebody with my mentality walk into the room? 
And I thought to myself, how am I going to deal with somebody with my mentality but with a good skill set? And I thought to myself, well, okay. So I, there was a gentleman I got introduced to. Um, they gave me his name. His name was Chris Linsted. Um, went along to his class and he said, right, okay. We had a quick chat and he said, right, you can have a little bit of a spa. And I thought, this is good. I've only been here 15 minutes and already we're talking about a spa. <laughs> and uh, I thought, right. And he said, right, there are certain rules. And he said, you're going to have to trust the person in front of you. And he said, it will feel very weird what you're doing, okay? And it won't make sense. And I was like, right. He said, if I tell you to stop, stop. If you don't stop, he's going to hit you the second time. And I was like, right, this is different. And I said, right. And I, I started to go to my bag to put my gloves on. He said, no, you don't need those. We don't wear gloves. I was like, right. And they put this young lad, Nigel, in front of me. And I remember his name. He was a hairdresser. Really, really nice guy. Right. Then one hairdresser bit relevant. Well, that's how I remember people because of their professions. As you get older, you remember you don't you remember their first name and what they do for a living, and other than that, you don't remember their surnames. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, uh, and uh, I remember so I looking at Nigel and again I was looking at you know I thought myself and I was quite fit. I was strong at the time, and I thought myself, yeah, it's going to be easy. This is I'm going And I just remember trying to kick him in the head. He kicked me in the bollocks. Not directly in the bollocks, but enough for me to go, that was near enough. Yeah. And he was like, and his drunk said, you're right. I said, yeah, didn't expect that. He said, all right. So I thought, I'll kick faster then. So kick me straight in the bollocks again. Right? And I thought, well, this isn't working. And sort of like, and bearing in mind, I got my fist clenched and they do very much what we call open hand. And uh, I've gone sort of like, sort of like, I've half got the jab and he just literally flicks me straight in my eyes and I've got fucking can't see nothing now and it was completely different and it was a case of he said and he very honest he said why is it you're here what is it you want to do <laughs> spa <laughs> and, and I said you know and he, you know, he said what is it you want and I said I just want to be in a position I know that I can take care of myself but also I want to be in a position where I'm I'm not I don't want the bullshit and he said, what's bullshit? I said, I don't like them marching up and down the room barefoot for hours at a time, shouting stupid noises that don't make any relevance to me in the modern world. I said, I'm not interested. And he went, that's good, because nor am I. And uh, so I started doing that, and it was, again, very interesting. I loved doing it, and I did that for probably... 10, 11 years. Oh, bloody hell. No competitions. No competitions at Absolutely all. Absolutely no competitions. All you're doing is you're purely working on you as an individual. Very much a case of you're covering so many different things. You're learning balance. You're learning everything. You're learning your own abilities, what you can do. Um, so I have a technical grade and I'm a red sash within what I did. Okay. Right. And it was very much a, a hybrid system. So it's a bit of everything. And he'd say, look, we're, you know, if somebody's good at, say, he'd say, right, okay. And I, I was encouraged, use your boxing, Luke. And it was very difficult for me because the first few months, nobody wanted to spar me. Because these guys, what they used to do is they're quite happy to grab your wrists. Yeah. 
grab hold of you, put you in a headlock, try and push you up against the wall. I'd panic and I'd box. So if you can imagine, I wasn't very popular for the first three months because I was giving people fat lips, <laughs> black eyes, and they were being really nice. You know, in all fairness to them, they were going, yeah, cheers, fine. You know, it was, <laughs> they're being very controlled and uh, they were sort of like accepting I was new. And, you know, the instructor at the time, he said to me, look, you'll get more if you control what you're doing. He said, it's an important thing that you've got to have. And he said, because... And again, it's well, it's different from boxing because he's giving you life lessons as well. Was you interested in competitions at the time, or was it just a matter of fact of I'm, just, I'm, I'm set here? I'm set. I was set there, and it was a case of I did that for a long, long time. And this is prior to things like the UFC coming out. Yeah, right. And I was coming to what I would call the tail end of my time with. That guy. How old, how old were you at the time? I was kind of probably nearly 27, 28. Right, okay. Um, and I was, I'd been there for, as I said, seven or eight years at the time. And I was sort of like thinking, right, okay. And I was very good at what I did. And, you know, I could throw my legs around like an absolute lunatic and I was very, very good. Um, and then I was going, okay, I want more. And then... I was sort of like, okay. And I was looking through the, I think it was the Kemp Messenger. I was going to say Yellow Pages. Yellow Pages. (laughs) I think it was the Maidstone. It was a Maidstone free paper or something. And there was a, um, I thought I'd I'd seen a bit of the UFC on TV. And I was like, God, that looks good. So I started looking into that a little bit. And I was going, oh, I enjoy this. And someone gave me a video. I had a good friend, uh, 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 Dick and Lyons. And he gave me a video, and he was a Wing Chun practitioner at the time. And he said, have a look at that. I was like, fucking hell, where'd you get this from? The old school USC. Old school, number one. Toys Gracie. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it, I was like, fucking hell, this, this was amazing. And um, and I thought I wanted to do it. And at the time, I started to teach as well. So I was te- I had a, a room converted in the cellar of my house, and I, was, I had about six or seven students. And I was teaching them stuff that I'd done, and then I'd started to add so I've started to learn, see this grappling stuff on the TV. I said, I'm trying to figure it out. I haven't found anyone <laughs> that teaches it. So I'm literally watching it off of a, tea, off of a video. Pause, rewind, pause, rewind. <laughs> you know, and I can't figure out what they're doing because it's so intricate. And um, then what I did was I was looking through the, as I said, the, the, like the Kent Messenger at the time, and there was jiu-jitsu. And I was like... And it was Lee Johnson. Yes, yeah. And uh, so I sort of like, I phoned him up and he's another guy you have to get on here as well, right? So I phoned him up and I said, look, I'm looking to learn this. And he said, well, I've got to find a room for us to, and I was looking to him as an instructor. But, and I'll be totally honest, and I've always said this to people as well, I thought myself, right, okay, I reckon I'll be able to pick this up in about six or seven months and I'll be able to overtake him and I'll be fine. And I'll be I'll be fine. Didn't have a clue, right? And uh, and I said to Lee, look, I've actually got a matted area in my house, in my cellar that I've converted where we can train. And he was like, really? And I said, yeah. So he come round here 
they come around to my house and uh, for the next hour and a half, I was tapping out <laughs> using everything from my little <laughs> finger to my ear, right, to anything I could have. He was literally tying me up in knots and I was so shocked, so shocked. Uh, you know, if, if you come from a stand-up um, background and then you go to the floor with someone, it is literally like chucking someone into water and go, right, now swim. I, I remember when we done... Uh, some jiu-jitsu years and years ago and yeah. it's one of the things I remember and you said you, I remember you going this is just you're not even touching the tip of the iceberg and yeah. then you told me what Lee Johnston did when he come round yeah. so yeah it's, it literally was like yep yeah, tapped out every time every single like, time I never, hell. I never tapped him out once ever right and I literally I was absolutely blown away by his skill set but also such a nice guy and the one thing I've always found with people that have done martial arts, very, very humble. Yes. Okay. The ones that are good. Um, and it was a case of I started training with Lee probably regular. I was training with him once, twice a week. And then what I was doing is whatever he showed me, I would then show my students so them and they could then apply it back on me. So it was reaffirming it again. Mm. It was getting better and better in my own head. And this was, was his Combat Academy? Combat yeah. Academy. This oh. is prior to Combat Academy. Oh, okay. This is prior so to this is when, I think, when uh, Lee Page was on it, they used to, we used to sort of like all get together and they were at the YMCA one week. Then they'd no, lost that. It was at the Leisure Centre. Then they'd go... It was in a room somewhere. We'd literally end up using a room in, um, I remember a Lartfield Leisure Centre. We was in a room one day and it was a case of there was tables and chairs in there. We're moving the tables and chairs out of the way, <laughs> put some mats on the floor. <laughs> Wherever Lee could find, he would find somewhere for us to train. So, and I was doing that and I was enjoying it. I was loving it. It was really, really good. So complex and interesting. Um, very, very different to what I've done. And I was really, and I was sort as I said, it was a case of that balance between enjoying what I was doing and carrying on with it whilst doing the other things as, as well. Um, and then Lee went to Strood Sports Centre. Yeah. He, he had a club there at Strood. So I started to go there and it was the same thing again. I started to go there and I was training with him up there as well. And it, again, the club was growing and growing and growing. And then it was a case of, for me, I was sort of like flitting between work. So I wasn't training as much as what I would like. Then I was sort of like, I'd turn up and I'd be regular for, say, six months. Then I'd drop off for, say... You're doing security at this time. I'm doing security yeah. work as well. Uh, I went for a phase of when I was... I say, went for a phase. I still do it now. I was I probably one phase in my life. I was probably had four jobs. <laughs> right? So I worked. Um, so, but again, this will be very relevant to people that I've met over my life that do martial arts and boxing, mm. right? So I was doing the, the MMA with Lee and I was training with him and at that time he predominantly did the wrestling side of things and, and it was fantastic. It was what a fitness and if you've never rolled around on the floor with somebody, you know, I remember first telling people what you do and they go, 
looks a bit gay, doesn't it? I go, yeah, it does look yeah, a bit yeah, gay. Yeah. You know, because guys got this thing in the back because you literally, I said, trust me, someone's trying to choke the life out of you. There's nothing gay about it. It's, cha- all, it's changing now, though. The concept over the last couple of years, yeah. obviously, the UFC is a big thing of it. Yeah, it is. The concept of... Fans are becoming a lot more knowledgeable and they're understanding mm. what they're doing and they're going along and learning a little bit themselves to appreciate what the art is itself. But at that time, it was a case of a bit weird. You know, so but again, it you know there'd be a group of us there, and we're all training, we're all sort of like we're just enjoying what we did. Um, then over a period of time, Lee uh, went from um, from Strew, he started to do shows, and I started to enter shows. But then at the same time, I again, as I said earlier, I tend to just jump in with both feet, so I would find competitions that were running, and I would go along and put my name down for it. <laughs> And I would go, I would just turn up. I wouldn't necessarily have what you would call a an entourage of people with me, like uh, other fighters that are turning up. It'd just be just me. Just low key. It'd just be me. And I'd turn up and there'd be an open tournament. And I remember travelling to Wales, <laughs> you know, just to, just, just to enter an open tournament. What was the open tournament in? MMA. Oh, MMA. Oh, is this, right, so, um, is it? <laughs> In the cage or is it... No, not in a cage, on a matted just, area right, okay. uh, with rules. So at the time, it was a case of they'd say to me, you'd get there and they'd go, right, no head strikes. Oh, right, okay. Right, uh, punches to the body, uh, knees to the body and grappling. So I'd enter those. And I, and I did all right. I'd, I'd, sort of like, I'd, I'd enter two of those and I probably had three or four fights in each tournament and probably one... Sort of like three or four, then yeah. it stopped and you wouldn't go any further forward. Um, what about Lee, the ones that Lee put on? Were they- the ones that Lee put on there was, let's see, I did one in, I did two at Circus Tavern. Cage? or Cage. Okay. Was it Cage? Because I remember no. you showing me a photo of you. No, it, one first, was ring. I know one, one was, was ring. ring. That was my I first ring. I know one that was, was ring. ring. So I see how tiny you was there. Yeah. Was like- and uh, the first one was in a ring. The second one was in a cage, and the third one was in a cage. All right, so the first one was in a ring, so that was three five-minute rounds, and I went full three fives, mm. you know. And if – I don't think people appreciate the fitness levels. Uh, right, again, <laughs> like, and Damon's had me on this as well, right? So um, I agree with that, right, because – I've never done five minute rounds in my life. Obviously, yeah. three minutes is the max. Yeah. That I've done boxing or even just like any type of three minutes is the max. I'm now doing five minutes now. Yeah. And I am like, oh my God, you're the work level. So you work like I'm used to two two minutes. I've worked for two minutes. Yeah. Now I've got three minutes of where I'm like, fuck. And my body's just like not giving me no energy to <laughs> carry it on. So yeah. I, I 100% agree. If people try five-minute rounds. If you do this, even yeah. boxing, box for five-minute rounds yeah, and uh, have a like. Uh, my first fight went full. I, I, I lost on a split decision to a young lad. And uh, again, it was full three, full three five-minute rounds. Also, you can change. You can change the way that you fight. During a round, you can do because if you are stat, if you're tired and you don't want to go to the floor, you stand up, yeah. get a breather. But that time, you know, this is when, from my point of view, I go, you're just going with it, and it's <laughs> you know you're just trying to finish the fight. And it sometimes you know you be on. I remember in the fight, I can hear instructions being shouted out. 
turn over, roll to your left, roll to your left, and you've got an ankle lock on, but you you can't hear anything because there's not enough oxygen going into your brain now, <laughs> right? So every all your oxygen is being used up by your body. So whatever's left over is going up to the brain. Yeah. And now what you find is just a simple thing has become quite complicated. So, again, three five-minute rounds, I was like, fucking hell, I was knackered, you know, but I lost on a split decision. Second fight, oh, I can't remember where it was. This is... It happened a few weeks after the Tito Ortiz and Lee Murray incident. Incident. So okay. That's the that's how I relate yeah, to the yeah, time yeah. frame because I remember when we was travelling up there, I remember the lads were talking about it. Yeah. And then because Lee Page quite, I didn't realise this because obviously as we spoke about Lee Murray, he's quite yeah. close to Lee Murray. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I've I've turned around and said he's a nutcase, and he's like, hold up, no, he's not. He's actually quite a nice guy. He is. And, <laughs> and the reason I say that is when I was training, I was grappling with Lee Murray and Dexter on a regular basis. Right, okay. At so. the, uh, the um, Street Sports Club. Oh, really? Yeah, regular for about, probably about eight weeks. Really, really nice guy. Could you know? And the thing was, it was weird, really, because when I had my last fight, people were going, oh, Lee's up here. I was going, Lee who? And this is like Lee Page is going to me, Lee Murray. And I'm going, who's Lee Murray? And Lee Johnson's looking at me going, looking at me and it's going, are you fucking stupid? He said, you were grappling with him. Was I? <laughs> and I couldn't put the name <laughs> to the person. And they're literally going, no, Lee's this, Lee's that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he knocked out fucking two or two. So yeah. Like, Did he? And I trained with him, did I? And they're looking at me going, you fucking dumb guy like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then, then Lee comes over, got a suit on, and obviously Lee and Lee Page and Lee Johnson start talking to him. Do you remember, Lee? Hello, mate, how are you? <laughs> and I'm looking at him again, cause, and, and this is like, Lee, had, he was bald-headed at the time, so mm-hmm. I didn't recognise him. He's coming, he's all suited, right? And, and he did look like, he looked the part. Yeah. And I was like, Hello, how are you? And I thought to myself, and it dawned on me, yes, I do totally remember you, but I couldn't put the two people <laughs> together, uh, which will become relevant. I've done that a few times. And um, so, yeah, again, Lee, from my point of view, same as what Lee Page just said, gentlemen, you know. Yeah, it's, Just it's... literally, we trained on the mats, and, you know, I tacked him out a few times, he tacked me out regular, and it was no striking, just pure grappling, yeah. constant. Which which is quite mad because, um, or quite nice to see as well. I know, obviously, there's other, his other side of his life had probably issues, but it is what it is, and you're, I know, especially as a person that is on the outside, pre-perceived perception of him. Yeah, like and the stuff with the TLT, the stuff that he used to do with the like, he used to be a showman, and then listen, it, I always and I've found this through my whole life. Um, people make choices. Mm. People yeah. make choices, and you know, you, you you guys have been around long enough yourselves. You've met people yourselves. I've met people. I had a pub on Rochester High Street, and you can we'll imagine. We'll come to that. We'll come to that. Know, Don't worry. The people that you meet. People make choices, and mm. I've always said to people, "Look, they're your choices. You live with them." You know, and, and I, that's how I look at it, and go, you know, if right or wrong, they're the choices that you make. You know, and people have to fundamentally stand by the decisions that they yeah, make, and if true. they yeah. end up in the shit that they're in, 
Yeah. It was their choice. No one put a gun to their head and sort of like made them do it. You know, so you have to live by it. And when we've all done it to some degree, we've all made choices, gone, fucking, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. And that's life. That is life. So the, um, your last fight, how? what year was that then? Oh, I was probably coming up to 32. I was okay. 32. My last fight, I, I've been training groundwork and I ended up getting put in with a striker. So bearing in mind, I'd done loads of striking before. The striking went out the window. I remember literally getting knocked out in the second round, I think it was. And in the first round, I was in a position where I could have finished. But I'm telling myself to do things and I'm not doing it. You know, and if you've been there, you'll know what it's like. It's a case of... It's if frustrating. It's, it is frustrating. And it's just one of those things, you're in a good position, top mount position, in a position, I'm start raining elbows down, hammer fist down and yeah. everything else. And you go, right, I can end this fight. And that's afterwards, yeah, you could have done. But at that point in time, nothing's registered. Yeah. Whether it be a lack of oxygen, whether it be that you haven't done enough training. Um, at that time, it's very difficult. You know, I love places like... Um, Damon Lake's got now Lee Johnson's got where you can have three or four dis- disciplines under one roof and you can train five days a week yeah. at that time you'd have to travel around yeah. you'd have to literally find someone to train with that's where I think it's evolved and it has evolved because um, that would have been what early 2000s early 2002 that yeah. would have been the last fight I had um, so 2002 I remember chatting to the lad that I fought afterwards and I, you know like you do you always end up chatting afterwards, yeah. regardless. And I'm sitting there with a, I had a peach of a shiner that night as well. My eye closed up, and he's, you know, a young lad said, "Sorry about that." He said, "That was a good hit," and I said, "Yes." <laughs> I said, "I don't remember it, but I'll take your word for it." <laughs> and uh, got, to, I said, "I've got to ask you." I said, "What does it do?" He said, "Oh, I don't do anything." What do you mean? I said, it "Must work though." And he said, "No, no, I live at home with mum and dad." Right, makes sense. Right, and he's 21, lives at home with mum and dad. I said, "What do you do then?" I just go training all day, every day. And I was like, right, I'm 32, I'm working four jobs. Yeah, maybe not anymore. <laughs> so it was one of those ones, you know, being very realistic and it was just a hobby. Yeah. You know, and I think I've always been very honest with myself and go, is this something I'm going to be a world champion at? No. And I always look at, do you remember the um, the Friends series? It, it's you won't. Man. Some people, there was a scene on there that... Going off tangent, do you remember the guy that plays Happy in Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. John Favreau. Yeah. yeah. He was in Friends and there's a, there's an episode in that where he gets it into his head, I'm going to be the ultimate fighting champion. Oh, right, okay. And he gets mangled I think really I, badly. I think and it's I, quite yeah. a funny sort of sketch, yeah, yeah. but I was always very honest with myself and gone, I know what my ability is and I know that this is just a hobby. I'd go, regardless of how much um, I train, and I go, I haven't got that much ability where I'm going to be at this point. And what I do, I do because I enjoy doing yeah. it. And, and it was as simple yeah. as that. I enjoy doing it, and you can say to a degree, I was good at doing what I did. And that's it. Yeah. I never had any sort of like um, what I would call um, illusions of grandeur and sort oh, of like I said, I'm going to be amazing at this. And it was never like that for me. So, Sports Social Podcast Network.